it's okay. Like this is part of a normal relationship. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have bad days. You're going to be cranky. These things are going to come up, but can we get back in range? Right. And so going first is just a way of like, overall, if 80% of my interactions with my husband are positive, because when things get off, we know how to get them back on track. Hmm. Right. Then my experience of my marriage is going to be very different. Hi, I'm Alex Fluxer. And I'm Rivki Silver. And this is Deep Meaningful Conversations, powered by Meaningful Minute. The podcast where we explore the complexities, nuances, and joys of being a frum woman. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DMC. It's time for us to approach the topic of marriage on the podcast. But the question is how, yeah. <laughs> how to approach it, which angle should we take? Should we focus on challenges and problems that women typically face in their marriages? You know, like the one validation, right? Mm. Or should we focus on like providing methods and techniques to help improve our marriages? Or should we just talk about insights into the meaning and beauty of marriage, right? There's, there's a lot of options. Yep. Well, we decided in the end to take the Stephen Covey approach and go with five habits of highly effective marriages. But with a caveat that Rifki and I made clear effort to develop before we started, you know, the script and started recording is that it's really important to us that we're going on this assumption that everyone who is married experiences some sort of struggle and conflict. Yes. (laughs) And that there's at least one area for all of us in our marriages that we want to improve and that need improvements. So I we were saying how like sometimes you go to a share or, you know, you might even now hear this title and think like, oh, habits of highly effective marriages. Like you can really walk away feeling like deflated and uninspired and just like hopeless. Like, wow, I am so far away from that ideal. I do not have any of those five highly effective traits in my marriage. This is all hopeless, you know? Right. And that's depressing. And yeah. I feel like it's such a catch 22 because like exactly what, when a person's in a marriage, if their marriage is in like a, a lull or, or a low point and like exactly when they could use the tools and the chizag is also when they feel like the most out of reach. Right. Like, like, forget it. Forget it. Yeah. And that, by the way, is once you start comparing also. Oh, forget like it. You could actually hear these traits and then compare yourself to this like ideal image of this ideal marriage and it's just all right, disaster. Please, please don't do that. <laughs> what, what we want to do is we want to approach it from like a very practical standpoint, meaning we can learn about the effective traits of a healthy marriage. And even if we aren't there yet, right. we want to walk away feeling that we have the tools and the new perspective at least to get there. Mm-hmm. At least we know that when we feel like we can start we have where to go we have a direction we have tools in our toolbox that we can take out and that's exactly what we're trying to do with this episode and offer to our listeners so we are speaking today with Kayla Levin who's our marriage expert who we consider the marriage expert Um, she's going to be sharing her perspective on what she sees as the most effective habits of strong marriages so Kayla is a Jewish marriage coach that's how she she markets herself and she's the host of a podcast herself the how to glow podcast Podcast. She also has the How to Glow um, coaching program. I know, Rifki, you're really into that. I am. I <laughs> love it. I love it. I love her podcast. I love her coaching. We're yeah. a big fan of Kayla. Yeah. She also has videos on the Meaningful Minute app, so you should for sure check her out there. And Rifki and I, you know, you introduced her to me a number of years ago, and I've been listening to her podcast. I, mean, I, I think what I really appreciate about Kayla is um, her insight and how practical she is 
realistic, I think is a good word to describe her. And just like altogether down to earth and smart. Yes. <laughs> and I, I'm just so excited to feature here on DMC. I know. You know what I was thinking? I feel like she reminds me of like, you know how Sarah Connor Radcliffe is to parenting? Like yeah. her parenting advice always makes me feel like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one who's yeah. like doing this. This is great, but this is how I can make it better. I feel like Kayla is like that to marriage. I totally hear it. You know? Um, but before we get into our excellent interview, let us chat for a little bit, Alex. There is... Um, a popular book out right now on Jewish marriage, which I want to give a shout out to. I have it right here for those who are watching on the video. I'm holding it up or I guess those who are watching on the video see I'm holding it up. If you're listening, <laughs> that's what I'm doing with the book. Um, I want to give a shout out to this book, 10 Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Make mm. by Rabbi Ben-Zion Shafir. And I, I just really love this book. He also yeah. had a column in Mishpacha that cause a, I don't know provokes a lot of discussion in the letters and in the inbox uh, especially date night well that's from the, those those columns were all from the book they're all oh, like from the book oh 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 yeah. very good so first of all I just love the title I just must say so smart it just makes you very curious because you know sometimes you feel maybe it's I don't know sometimes a person could feel bad when they like pick up a self-help book like oh, I never like I have a problem but here you read this 10 really dumb mistakes that smart couples make and you're like wait a minute I'm just making stupid mistakes but I- I'm really smart that's right. why I'm reading this book <laughs> right exactly it, it keeps our, our self-esteem intact right. and say like it's okay you're smart yeah but you got to stop doing these things that are not right it's great <laughs> marketing with that one yeah no this book like when I when I got it and I and I flipped through it I remember like when we when I first got it Alex and I flipped the introduction it says Mr. ADHD marries Miss Anxiety <laughs> it's got a picture of um, a couple looking into a stroller there's no baby in the stroller and the storekeeper is running out with the baby and I was first I was cracking up and I was like oh this is so on on target you know <laughs> um, I think a lot of people could relate to that and just going through the tables of contents like starting out how like no marriage should work like it doesn't it doesn't make sense we're all so different mm. and my husband and I joke all the time that like on paper we make zero sense like who even th- who even thought I mean I can tell you that to put us together as my brother-in-law my sister-in-law but like but we make zero sense on paper but mm. like just somehow but it, it works and it's so interesting but it like you look at any couple and you're like that shouldn't work like it doesn't make sense we're so different like personality wise like you know men and women are so fundamentally right. different which he talks about some of those differences in this book and um I'm convinced Shadchanim have some kind of a Rosh Hakodesh. They, oh, I think I they just, do. No, I, yeah. I think they have to because otherwise, seriously. <laughs> but like, I just want to read a couple of the of the chapters. This book was so good that I want to say I was reading it at the Shabbos table to my husband, and we were both loving it and cracking up about oh it. Oh my gosh! Like I couldn't stop. Um, one of the things was um, you become an expert at what your spouse does wrong. <laughs> So I felt very personally seen by that. It's so easy to look at what's not going right in right. every areas of life, not just in marriage, but in every area. And um, hold on one second. You can notice it, but when he's saying you become an expert, like we make it our <laughs> life mission to like analyze it, be like, could write a thesis on it. You know what I mean? We want to fix it. Ah, that's another thing that he talks about is um, stop trying to change your husband. Mm-hmm, stop. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. It's not helping the relationship. Mm. There was a really, really funny example that he had in here about um, socks on the floor and also jackets on the chair. There was um, a woman who, like she said, her every every day her husband would come home and put a jacket on the chair on the Shabbos table. And then like by the end of the week, there were like seven jackets on like all the chairs. And she's like, what is going on? And so she said she like tried everything. She tried like positive reinforcement. She tried nagging. She tried yelling. She tried everything. Right. And Rabbi Schaefer was like, well, did it work? And she was like, no, the jackets are still on the chair. Mm. And like this, this acknowledgement that there is something, I'm not going to say it, right? You should read the book and read it <laughs> properly. But when I'm giving it over, I'll like, 
some things are not going to change and trying to force the change is just damaging the relationship mm. and some things like just accept that that's just part of your spouse. Just like we have things that are part of us that like maybe, you know, right. Uh, and so like in the, at the end, like what she did, she ended up just like, she just picked up the jackets and brought mm. them upstairs and like it, it was, fi- everything was fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very everything interesting. I also find, um, just as general thesis, um, which is when we are dealing with our spouse, don't forget that your spouse is, your best friend yes. and the person you love. Yes. And in terms of like our interactions, obviously it's hard sometimes and sure, you know, we, we make mistakes and all that, but like that is really, really powerful is just remembering, I'm going to use the word romance because he, he really yeah. talks about love yeah. and the friendship that is the glue of your marriage and try to um, help and help let that guide you in, in all the every, every inter- everyday interactions. So you guys are, we're, we're a team, right. you know? Exactly. I, I think that's really empowering and, and pretty inspiring. And he was really, really big on date night being a non-negotiable in order to really foster and create that and, and let that connection flourish so that we're, you're not just ships in the night like passing each other. And I know that, that, that you're saying, like there were a lot of letters. And we're like, yeah, date night, how? <laughs> that's nice, how? And he gives, he gives a lot of ideas, like even just taking a walk around the block, even uh-huh. just like in the house. You don't have to go anywhere. Right. You know, like to, to drink a tea together. Um, and it's, it's definitely, he makes a very strong case for why it's non-negotiable, which, you know, I'm sh- maybe we'll start getting emails now that we're pushing this, but, um, I'm not a good example of role model of date night thing, you know, but like, but it's, it's a, it's a real struggle. A lot right. of people struggle with it. You know, it's, it's not, can I know? just say something? Do you we're, remember we're not recommending we, doing it either? We do it right. a little bit. We do it more than we used to do, but we're not like every Wednesday night or anything either. Right. You know? I, I have friends who do have designated date nights. It's, it's really, really nice, but I will just say, remember we interviewed Yael Trush for Orthonomics. Yeah. So she talks about a money date. So guys, that. it's so awesome doing a podcast because you're like, hey, husband, make sure you listen to this episode. <laughs> My husband listened to it and I, I, I wasn't sure if he had listened to it. I want him to listen to it. So the other day he's like, you know what? I really think we should have a money date. That's so nice. Yeah, he's like, I want to. We like, I want to talk about our credit cards. We should have a money date. And I'm like, you listen to the episode. And but guess what happened? What we ended up having a regular date night, which has been far and few between because you can't have a money date night before you have a regular, regular date, date night. night. <laughs> so like, and he actually arranged it and coordinated and took off of work, and it was really so great. Nice. And thank you, yeah, all. Thank you. That's really, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like there's one other thing I wanted to say yeah, yeah, about yeah. the book. Oh, there was, there was something that Rabbi Shaver had said that I really liked about, like, you need to be committed and attracted, and then, but then also sometimes, um, again, read the book. He says it better. But sometimes you can love someone, you can be committed to them, but it's just really hard to live with them. Mm. because we can just have very different ways of living. Some people are more tidy. Some people are more, right. you know, laid back about their domestic stuff. Um, you know, whatever. And there's a lot of different ways that you can be as a person. It can make it challenging to, to live with someone who's very different than you. Mm-hmm. And so he obviously gives advice on like how to kind of work through these things. Right. It's a I great mean, book. And, I mean, generally it's like, instead of like telling you this is what you should do to make your better marriage better. It's like a completely different approach, which is like, hey, these are all the things that we all typically mess up on. Right. <laughs> We're all in it together. And it's like, it's just, I love that approach. It's just, it's very realistic. It's it's often things that we may know intellectually that, 
you know, like you said, you can't change your spouse or you can't judge your spouse based on your experiences yeah. um, or you shouldn't criticize your spouse. Actually, those are three, three of the dumb mistakes in the book. But like we all fall into the trap, I think, at some point or another. And, you know, that's what I sort of appreciate is that like these are common pitfalls. But here are, you know, those practical techniques and insights to help us avoid yes, and, and he very brings, normal and, things. Right. And he brings his very extensive experience and he brings so many stories that I was laughing out loud, <laughs> like amazing examples that make you laugh, that make you think. And he just has like this breadth of experience of working with couples for so many years. He's seen so many things and it's really such like a service he's doing to Claudia as well to put it together in a book that is really accessible and really enjoyable to read and has a lot of real constructive things that we can use. By the way, there are some really fabulous um, secular books out there for marriage. Um, You know, I know the Gottman, you know, Gottman series is is really influential. But I will say there's something really nice about reading a from marriage book. Like yeah. just sort of get our lifestyle and yeah, can apply it. Exactly. But we should learn from every every source. I'm very much like that. But um there's certainly if there's something coming out of the Jewish world, um definitely, definitely check it out. But um and also I think his um the they're gonna offer uh for our listeners, they can have um free shipping Free audiobook, free ebook. So okay. th- it's just, in the episode notes. Check yeah, it out. exactly, exactly. Go check that out. Okay, so Alex. Yeah. Let's get a little vulnerable. Let's have a DMC here. What's what's the dumbest mistake you made in your marriage? But like something that you know is intellectually like whatever, but just hard to put into practice. Okay, so the dumbest mistake I does, excuse me the dumbest mistake I've made I made in my marriage. I'm not sure I'm ready to reveal that. Well, right. <laughs> I'm gonna think about what, as you said, I'm willing to share in public and admit. And um, it's a common mistake that I we hey we we take ownership together on this one. Yeah, commonly make um, we meaning my spouse and I is we know how essential spending time together is. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I was saying before, this is a friendship. This is the person you love. You want, you want to spend time with them, right? I mean, hopefully that is a sign of a healthy marriage that you want to spend time with your spouse. If you don't want to spend time with yourself, by the way, there are times for sure that you don't want to spend time with them. (laughs) But in general, yeah, baseline, 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 (laughs) like hopefully you want to, that is a sign of a healthy marriage. And yet, and we both know how important you to nurture the relationship. You just, you can't expect this relationship to be nurtured if you are not investing Time. time right and I don't care what your love language is I don't care if it's not quality time it is essential right exactly well it's like Lisa said in our episode with her like you know you can't build a relationship without investing a good amount of time exactly now the challenge here is and that's a dumb mistake that we make is we do not make enough time for each other mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I don't know if this is like like a huge vulnerability purge or people are like, oh, really? Um, or people are like, yes, Alex, thank you for saying it. I have the same problem. But we all lead busy lives. Uh, in my particular case, my husband works six days a week, um, you know, comes in flying in, you know, right before Shabbos. And yeah, you have to, you have to, and you want to, but it's, it's, it's stupid that we don't do it enough. And we are aware. We are aware that we want to. We are aware that we need to. And at least awareness is like the first step. It is is that we are step. trying in small ways. And the fact that we know that we wish we had more time together, I think, is a good sign. Absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly yeah. agree with that. And like, Thank yeah, you. like like we were saying earlier, it's, we also like we have gotten better about spending time together, but it's not super regular. My husband right. recently started working more hours than he had. So that, that definitely made it yeah. much more challenging. 
And last, and we've talked about this Rifki before, but like also like, you know, these, these rules, like, well, when you do spend time with each other, you shouldn't be talking about your kids or the bills. And it's sort of like, but wait a minute, we, when else are we meant to even talk about those things? Because <laughs> I have like only a certain small amount of time and we do need to talk about the bar mitzvah and the XYZ and yeah, the yeah, plans. Yeah. Yeah. But wait a minute, we're just meant to be like chilling and, and enjoying life together. And, you know, I don't yeah. know, taking a walk in the park and just, it's hard. Our lives are busy. We have huge amounts of responsibility. And I think it's a very delicate dance. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong. Right. And I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like, that's exactly it. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get yeah. it wrong. But the so. main thing is that we just keep trying. So let's hear what you get wrong, Rifki. Oh, man. <laughs> it is hard to pick. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about is just like, um, forgetting that like it's okay that we have different like perspectives and to, mm. and to not like let myself get insecure when like things are um when we don't always see eye to eye i'll give you an example um like when it comes to feeding our kids i do not have like that strong yiddish mama like need to feed my kids i don't have it <laughs> so i will make a perfectly acceptable dinner i will make i'll make it like an adult dinner and like also kid option like mm. i i make you're good about dinners I, too. I, I, I want to just I, give you credit I, for that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you sometimes. Um, and I feel like I do my hishtadlis and if they want to eat, fine. And if they don't, fine. If they right. want to have cereal afterwards, whatever. Right. Like I did my part. I right. call them to the table. Like I did my part and there's only a certain amount of effort that I will expend in trying to get these wonderful children to eat the food that I make for them. <laughs> because he will literally chase my kids around with food. And it used to, like, I, I would, like, and I used to, I would get so insecure about it. I'd be like, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Mm. Instead of just really embracing, like, no, it's okay. We right. can both be different. And like together as a unit, our kids get fed. They're perfectly healthy. Baruch Hashem. Right. And like it's okay that we're different about it. But how do you not fall into the trap of like being incredibly irritated and annoyed by that because it is so the opposite of you? Right. Like that's the thing with differences. Yes. It's like we all have our differences, but we have, how do we get to that point of acceptance and not making it get well, under our skin? Well, I know? never said I wasn't annoyed sometimes, <laughs> okay. but, um, and we joke, my husband and I joke about this and all the time. It's sort of we funny, that away. visual. Like it's almost like you just have yeah, to laugh. Really does. <laughs> but, um, no, but I, I think that like something that I, I had taken a, a marriage uh, course with, um, Rifki Gardner here in Cleveland. And one of the things that I really appreciated was like, the, the like my husband doesn't have to be like me mm. he doesn't have to be like me he doesn't have to parent the kids just like me right. we don't need two riff keys <laughs> like in the parental like it's okay his way is also something that my kids need that's right my way isn't only right even though i am mostly right mm. <laughs> i love that no but yeah it's we, we you need different personalities mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah and yeah and kayla talk, there's something that kayla addresses in the interview that's coming up that about like you know when you do have a different way there's a way to, to even look at that and, and benefit from it. That's right. Yeah. So with Kayla's interview, I think we're talking about the things we do right, you know, that make our marriage strong, even though we just told you some of our mistakes. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the things that we do right that make our marriage strong. Yes. And with that, we bring you our interview with Kayla Levin. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, Kayla. Welcome to Deep Meaningful Conversations. We are so happy that you're joining us for this DMC. And we asked you to identify like five habits of highly effective marriages. And we are super curious to hear what you um, brought for us to all discuss. So let's let's dive right in. Yeah. Okay, great. And like, feel free to ask questions and push back. And I want to hear, like, like, you know, I always feel like we're having a conversation when I listen to you guys. So <laughs> happy to hear, like excited to hear kind of what you think. Um, okay. So I, I work, first of all, I work mostly with women. So this is going to be definitely probably like skewed a little bit towards the women's side. So just want to give that kind of disclaimer. But I think a lot of these things are really true for, um, for both sides. So 
these are kind of just paradigm shifts that I feel like can be really helpful. So number one is go first. So it's just like kind of a, a tool that I want to suggest to people, right? Which is so much of the time, like we get stuck in these things where there's like, it's kind of that negativity and we're annoyed and whatever. And it's like, neither one wants to make that reparation attempt, you know, like neither person wants to just step back in. And the Gottman's actually found that couples who kind of have that down are really the more successful ones, not the ones that don't fight, right? It's, it's the ones who kind of know how to like bring it back together. Um, and so I feel like just having this little phrase of like, I'm just going to go first can be so helpful. It's like, I don't need to wait for, you know, Right. For, wait for like for him to realize how wrong he was with the thing that did. And he needs right. to realize and come and, like, you know, tell me that just hypothetically speaking. The um... <laughs> So what do you mean go first? Meaning being Mavat or let someone else go first? That's not I mean, specifically with your husband. Right. Yeah. So like so much of the time. OK, maybe this. No, I know this is not just me because I hear it with my clients. But, you know, where like one person does something, but then the other person's kind of doing it too. And then you're sort of mirroring each other. And then at some point, you're not even really sure exactly where the negativity started Hmm. and the resentment can start to build. And it's just like, you just get into this funk together. Right. And one person just kind of has to be the one to eat the humble pie and say, I'm just willing to put myself out there. It's a very vulnerable thing to do Hmm. right in that moment, because you feel, we feel like when we're kind of in that, that separation space, that that's safer right? My walls are up, your walls are up. We're kind of doing that feels very safe. So you come back and you're like, okay, what is the thing? You know, maybe for one woman's husband, it's like, she's going to go pick up his favorite coffee. Or for another woman, you know, it might be just like snuggling up to him next on the couch or something. Right. But doing this, this, any kind of behavior or action that shows like I'm, it's a bid for reconnection. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to reconnect to you. I'm ready to come back. And I just feel like sometimes we get in the stalemate right? Where it's like, okay, big picture, right? Let's just come back to this possibility. You can go first. And like, I, I don't know, just, we just, we just get stuck in our stories, right? We like reinforce why we're right and why he's wrong and why we shouldn't have to. And really right, it's on him. Right. right. We go but back like, to that narrative, really the narrative want? we have in our mind of, of like the, the recycled fights that come up all the time. And, you know, of like, oh yeah. And like now we're in this again and the, the disconnection, the recycled disconnections. Hmm. Does that make sense? That's good. Yes. So it's, it's going first to repair and to try to break down the wall because we're sort of waiting for, oh, well, if he really cared, he'd be the one making an effort. But then it's sort of like, you know what? Be the man, be the man, be the woman in the room, (laughs) be a big girl, you know, just, just, but you're right. That is, that is really hard. That is a, it's a huge, a huge leap to overcome is to be like, I'm going to take responsibility and try to make this better. Right. Like I have to say for every one of these tools, like it's all hard. Mm. It, it can all be really hard. I feel like when, when it comes to our marriages, it's where we can have the most neurosis, the most, you know, like the most like uh, sensitivity, vulnerability. We're so comfortable sharing about when things aren't going well with our kids. It's not so simple with your husband. Right. And so in all of these, there's kind of like, I like the idea of having five different things because maybe we can just, each person listening can just try and choose one that feels accessible. Mm-hmm. If maybe they're in a place where, you know, Okay, go first. Like, forget it, Kayla. There's no way I'm going first right now. Okay, fine. It's like there's four more. Maybe you'll find something else here that we can work with, right? Yeah. That's fantastic. So this creates a healthy, like, why did you choose it as your first one? That, that I'm curious about that. Because it's first. The go first. 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 <laughs> I'll go first. I like it. 
Is this um, like a key? Like, would you say this is like one of the primary traits of a successful, healthy marriage is that when we can go first and try to repair? Can I give you a really bizarre, like this is a strange like analogy for it? Sure, sure. Yeah. But so I'm a type one diabetic, right? So I have like on my, my sensor, it shows me how often I'm in range and then how, you know, when I go out of range, my blood sugar goes too high or too low. And one of the things that they measure, like they give you lots of different measurements in terms of how healthy you are. And one of them is how quickly did you get back in range? Like, I don't know, I don't know if I care that you necessarily went up really high, but if you came back within 20 minutes, that's very different than if you were high for three hours. Hmm. Right. And so I almost feel like in a way, this is kind of the same thing. It's like, it's, it's okay. Like this is part of a normal relationship. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have bad days. You're going to be cranky. These things are going to come up, but can we get back in range? Right. And so going first is just a way of like, overall, if 80% of my interactions with my husband are positive, because when things get off, we know how to get them back on track, hmm. right? Then my experience of my marriage is going to be very different. Wow, that is so important because you're acknowledging that things will go off and that is normal. How quickly can you rebound with the most yeah. least damage left behind? <laughs> right, right. Because yes. right, the longer you stay in that place of disconnection, then mm. that's going to be make more of an impact on the relationship itself. So right. The more we can circle back and get back to uh, the state that we want to be in, the state of connection, yeah, it's just so validating to just hear oh, that, I like that. that we all go through this. It's so, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's so easy to like forget that, you know, we're not the only person in the world who has this experience in our marriage. Yes. Yes. I can. I, I sometimes I say that, especially when I was working mostly with newlyweds, I used to say like 80% of my job is just to tell you that other people say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what we all need to hear. It's yeah, normal, yeah. you know, and it's, it's very common and, and also it's by design, right? Mm. Like Hashem didn't, we're, the, the goal is not for us to never be pushed and never have to grow and never have to navigate and never have to work on our mitos, right? Like the Dafka in our relationships and our marriages, you know, we're, we're created for two opposites and we're put together. So we're not always in the mood to be in the growth laboratory, but that's where we are. <laughs> that's know? great. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So number two, let's hear. All right. So number two is know the limits of validation. And with this one, I actually am talking about when you're going to somebody else about your relationship. Um, but it's really true outside of marriage also. So one of the things as a coach that my job is, is to help people see how their thinking is hurting them. Right. Which means I don't validate professionally. <laughs> like if my friends ask me to talk about a situation, sometimes, especially if it's, you know, if it's marriage related, I'll say to them, are you asking your friend or are you asking a coach? Because I need to know which one you're like, which hat I'm wearing here. Yeah. Right. With our friends, it's sometimes we really need that validation. This is really hard. I just had this yesterday. My friend, I was like, I called her. I was upset about something. She's like, be cranky and cry and do all the things. I'm like, great. Thank you. That's what I needed to hear. Right. I needed all the validation. Um, there's a limit to it though. Right. And so I think that that's one thing that sometimes we miss, which is if I'm just validating, if I'm just getting validation, I'm just reiterating the story that I'm in. So at a certain point when I'm not feeling completely emotionally fragile and I have a little bit more strength, you know, and more equilibrium, that's the time when it's good to go to someone who's like, wait a second though, your husband's a really nice guy. Maybe you're misunderstanding, right? Or whatever the thing is. And you, you figure out who those people are who, are who are willing to kind of give you that little dose of honesty or that different perspective. Because otherwise we really do get stuck in our stories. And I think it's really 
I don't know. I just felt like that was an important one to just know that mm. validation has its place, but it doesn't on its own move us forward. Usually. Wow. So you're saying that basically like that if, if a person is getting validation about something when they're in that emotionally fragile state, it could even if it's not used correctly or at the wrong time or too much of it, then it could actually make things harder in the relationship. I think when we're emotionally fragile, we probably just need validation. Okay. Yeah. Like one of my, one of my big philosophies is like, we don't gorilla coach, right? Like I don't jump on people and coach them. I'm not like, Oh, you're having a hard day. Do you know you're wrong about that? Actually, you're like, great. Actually Hashem never gives you more than you can handle. Right. That's like, uh, that's like abusive. Like we can't do that. Right. It's very, yeah. it's very aggressive. And we don't do that to ourselves either. Right. So like, you know, this is one of the things I try to teach women in my program all the time, which is, yeah, I know you could have a better thought, but right now you're really disappointed about this. So hold some space for yourself. It's mm. okay to be disappointed. Right. And at the same time, you could know in the back of your mind, okay, there might be another way of looking at this. And when I'm ready, I'll go there. Is there like, is there like a way to tell like when it's time to move past the validation and move towards the, the friend who can kind of give you a different perspective? Like how, how does a person know mm -hmm. like, oh, I am now in the red zone of validation and like I need to like move mm -hmm. on. Right. Because the validation is very comfortable. And like oh, you yeah. said, you just repeat that story to yourself to make you make yourself feel better and let your friend repeat it to you. But the point is like, where does the growth come next? Right. right. How do you know? Totally. I mean, I do think that this is one thing that that I've been exploring a lot lately, which is like how much we really know if we're just willing to take some time to just be quiet and check in with ourselves. Um, you know, there's not an app to tell you, <laughs> right? <laughs> but like, if we could just take a moment and just check in and be like, okay, am I feeling like, you know, am I feeling very, and another way of knowing is because if someone give, offers you a different perspective and it just bounces right off or it makes you feel resentful, right? Like how many times have we heard someone say, you know, to someone, Hashem never gives you more than you can handle. And it was a hurtful comment. Mm -hmm. right. Why was it hurtful? Because the person wasn't ready for that yet. Is it true? Yeah. But it's not what they're ready for. Right. And so I like it, when you're in that place, it's like, no, no, no. I just like, what is the most loving thing for me right now is the most loving thing for me to, to just take some space and hold some space and honor kind of what I'm experiencing. Maybe there's some grief, maybe there's some disappointment. And then at some point it starts to feel indulgent mm -hmm. and you naturally right. feel it. Right. Yeah. And that feels yucky too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's also not so fun. So I think when it starts to feel indulgent, that's when it can kind of be like, oh, wait a second. If we're honest with ourselves, right. Maybe, maybe there's like, I'm ready for something else. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that, that idea of um, just giving ourselves the time and creating space to be kind of quiet and to really kind of, tap back into what we are actually thinking and feeling instead of just kind of going on the autopilot of our stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, there's, there's, there's the, the chatter that's going nonstop. And then there's kind of like what we know when we like tune in and we slow down and yeah. a lot, I mean, so many of us, we just have so much chatter going in our head mm. all day long. Right. It's kind of hard to, to differentiate, but it's possible. Yeah. yeah. The, um, I guess let's, yeah, should we hear number three? Yeah. Let's hear number three. Yeah, okay. Okay, so this one's a big paradigm shift. Okay, part of like when I was putting these together was if, if I could just offer people a different paradigm for different, you know, for these things that come up so frequently, what would, and it's possible that it's also related to different things that we've been working on in, in my group, but 
one paradigm shift. And I'm like scared to say it because mm. <laughs> you guys can push back as much as you want. Oh, no, I can't wait. I'm so curious. <laughs> okay. It's covered is your job. And what I mean by that is that so often I hear women waiting for their husband to earn their respect. Like, yes, I'll respect him when he does what I thought he was going to do when we got married. I'll respect him when he's always making it to Minion. I'll respect him when he starts earning a good living, right? Like, this is when I'll respect him. And what I think is so fascinating is that I know, I know for sure that if I were to take any of these women and say, there's this person on your block, I think there's nothing to find in that person to respect. Like every one of those women would be like, of course there is, I will find it. Like we can find what to respect in people, but, but with our husbands, sometimes it feels different. It feels like in this case, it needs to be earned. And if I just give it for free, like, what is that? Right. And so I like to think of like being a respectful person as a Mita, as opposed to an exchange, right? Like he's earned it. So now he'll get respect. Because by the way, if that's the way I've been behaving in my relationship for the last five years, he's not going to earn my respect. It's not going to happen because if my thought process is always, I'll respect him when he earns it, it will continue to be, I will respect him when he earns it. Cause that's the thought process I'm practicing. So we don't oh, change thoughts. Interesting. Right. So it's not going to like suddenly be like, okay, now, now I can respect him. I've just been practicing this idea of like, I withhold respect. And one thing that we see, you know, it's really fascinating in Jewish and non-Jewish marriage researchers is that respect comes first for men. Respect is so critical for women. They choose um, Rabbi Schaefer actually quotes it in his book. Um, and he talks about how, a, a, you know, a non-Jewish researcher was asking men and women, if you could choose between respect and love, which would you choose? Hmm. And the vast, I mean, like, I think it was like 80 or 90% of the men said respect. Mm-hmm. You know, and to, as a woman, to me, I'm just like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's very hard for me to understand, you know, experientially. That's not my experience, hmm. right? But it's a difference. It's a different, it's a lot. It's a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, it is. No, it's, it is interesting. It is very interesting. The um, I'm just wondering, like, when when a person is stuck in that mode of like, well, I'll respect him when he fulfills X, Y, or Z, you know, requirements. Like, and that, if that's a really entrenched viewpoint, how on earth are we supposed to then move to, oh, but now I'm just going to automatically, let me just start, like how right. start like giving respect. How, and also I really wonder, like, what does it even mean giving respect? Like, I don't even understand this mm-hmm. concept a little bit. Like, uh, I right. don't even know. Like, what does it mean give respect? Like stand up when he comes into the room? I don't know. <laughs> like, what does it mean? <laughs> That's a great question. Let's go to first the first one first. Okay. Okay. I, I think again, there's a concept of like, I'm not, I'm not respecting him because, you know, this is a tit for tat relationship. I'm not respecting him. It has nothing to do with him earning it. It has to do with, I want to be the kind of person who respects other human beings. Hmm. Right. Like, which mita do I want to be practicing? I want to be the kind of person who shows kavod. Who's and this, this is what we see, right? Like the, like great people show kavo to everyone. They're not saying like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're just a cleaning person. I've never heard a gut. will say that. No. Right. right. It's, Oh, you have a lot of money. Now I'll give you respect. No, it's we, right. Okay. Do we have a concept of, let's say the gut hador gets more kavo. Okay, fine. But right. Our, our leaders and our, our role models are not picking and choosing who gets their respect. Right, it's a reflection the- on, the person it's it's not a reflection on yeah right so it's like it's it's on me to be that's why i'm saying respect is your job it's like it's on me to learn to be respectful of other people 
it's not on other people to earn my respect. Mm-hmm. And to find the areas that, we cho- that we're choosing to focus on that will enable us to feel it. We can tell ourselves, I want to be a respectful person. It's an important meter for me to have. But you really have to feel the respect for it to be authentic and internalized. Yes. So you have to work on really focusing on the positive and really blocking out all the things that are bugging you to, to find true yeah. respect for the things that you really truly love and respect about your spouse. So I'll give you an exercise that I gave a bunch of women because so so many women, um, their husbands really struggled with Minion after COVID, Mm. right? They got out of the habit and then they really got back in or, you know, they were making it to sheer. Like they're just, just in general, if their schedule is off. And so the women had this whole manual of like, no, 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 my husband's supposed to, you know, make Minion three times a day and he's supposed to go to sheer and he's supposed to do all these things. Right. And so he's, how can I respect him? He's not fulfilling his side of the, Hmm. of you know, of the duties or whatever. So I said to them, I want you to, um, did your husband make Kiddush on Friday night? Hmm. And like, every time they're like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) usually they actually ask me to repeat myself. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Right. And like, does he, you know, of course, granted, this doesn't work for someone whose husband doesn't make Kiddush, but you know, in these cases, their husband for sure makes Kiddush. That's not even up for discussion. And I said to them, I want you to think for, you know, write down all the ways that that impacts your family, that your husband makes Kiddush. Hmm. Think about what that provides. Right. Think about what would be like, what it would be like if he didn't. Mm -hmm. So I'm over here with my plan of what he's supposed to look like. By the way, Hashem's in the picture. It's not like he's not doing it. And like, this isn't something I'm supposed to be learning from. Right. What do you mean? If if I have my whole, my, my list of things that my husband needs to do, it's, it's going to like, I just, I see it over and over. Like whatever it is that we're fixated on that our husband needs to do to earn our respect. This is not what's going to happen. Right? And we're going to like, it's a normal thing to have to go and look and say, okay, I thought this was the thing, but maybe it's over here. Maybe it's looking at other things, other mitos that he has, right? How can I broaden my picture of what it is, what needs to be respected? So the, basically this idea that we, we can broaden what, what gets our respect. Hmm. Right. So like if I were to look at any random person and say, okay, well, what do I respect about this person? I could say like, well, maybe with this person, it's, it's a certain meta that they have with this person. It's a strength that they have. It's a talent. It's right. It's the way they run something. It's the way that they, I I don't need to, because our husband fits a certain role in our life, we're more likely to have, these are the things that I think you need to be providing for me to respect you. Mm-hmm. And also what you're saying is like, look at the, the kiddish example, look at areas that you just take for granted. Yeah. yeah. Nonetheless, I find this hard because we do have certain spiritual expectations. Like, come on, Kiddush, I expect my husband to be like a little bit on a higher level, you know, like that's a hard piece. I think this is entrenched early, early on with, you know, young women and, and teenagers and, and, and seminary in terms of what we expect and what our role models are in terms of what we want our husbands to be like. And I remind myself, you know, maybe our husbands also have some ideal of the perfect wife or the ideal religious wife. And maybe that ideal religious wife is taking challah weekly. And maybe she's saying to Helam and maybe her, you know, her sink is always clean. And I think there are areas and maybe there are women here that are listening that do all of those things. I'm just shouting them out because they don't apply to me. So (laughs) I, I, I'm sort of like, let me give my, my spouse a little bit of leeway because there are things that I am sure that he may have had certain ideals about what he wanted his wife to be like that I fall short into mm-hmm. religious and spiritual areas, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a great point. Yeah. 
And yes, and yes, there's, you know, there's, there's the dream, right? For depending on what seminar you go to, whether he's going to be the big, you know, the big learner or, you know, you come from a community where you want to see him earn a lot of money or whatever the thing is like girls, a lot of girls grow up dreaming about what it's going to look like and what it's going to be like. And so then he's competing with that. It's not fair. It's not fair because we don't want we don't want those standards to be applied to us either. Let's be honest. Right, that's very true. I'll I'll just say one thing about what you were saying about how it can be like okay, but it's not like how could I just switch to this Kinnish example, right? Right. So one of the things that I have um, that I have people go through is this exercise where you really look, you just trace, you trace the thought, right? So if the thought is like, you know, he he's not holding up his end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that makes me feel resentful. So then our feelings drive our actions. So I want to see like, how are you showing, what do you actually do when you're feeling resentful? Right. So often if she's thinking he's not holding up his end of the bargain, she's feeling resentful. What does she do? She procrastinates a lot. She stops like, she's like cranky. So she's like not doing the dishes and she's not doing this thing. Hmm. And she's, you know, or she's, she's a little bit more negative with him. She's disconnected. Maybe she's more disconnected from the children. That often happens too. Mm. Right. So whatever it's, of course, it's extremely personal. I'm just giving examples that are, you know, that I come up a lot. Um, and so then what, what happens is that then she looks at, she's like, wait, when I'm busy thinking he's not holding up his end of the bargain, I stop holding up my end of the bargain. It's like a punishing thing. Like subconsciously. We mirror, we mirror each Mm. other. Right. So if I think you're being irresponsible, then our brain just kind of like puts us in this place where we start doing it too. Right. Like and I don't have to, to be, yeah, 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 I don't yeah, have to, if yeah, he's exactly. not doing it, then why do yeah, I have exactly. to? Exactly. <laughs> like, it's too unfair. But sometimes yeah. It's not even that. It's not even that. Like until I ask uh, them, until I really tell them, like, I want to, I want to imagine that I have a camera on the wall in your room watching you. What are you doing when you're thinking this? Right. And then they're like, uh, oh, I guess I was, I scrolled a lot on my phone and I did this and I did that. And, you know, they're not necessarily literally thinking he's not doing it. Therefore I won't do it. But when they watch their behavior, this is what ends up happening. And so that's actually the motivation. The motivation isn't, I'd like to have lovely, you know, Cinderella thoughts all day long that are only positive and only happy. And I want to be like my rabbits in or whatever. No, the motivation is when I look at it, hold on, when I'm busy thinking he's not doing his thing. I don't like how I'm showing up as a person. So maybe that's enough for me to just try something else on. Wow. Nice. Something that's coming to my mind. Well, first of all, I wanted to say like, you know, when we're saying like, oh, I want to be like my Rebbitson. We don't even know what a Rebbitson is really like. We have an idea of what a Rebbitson is like. I want to put that out there. The, um, the, cause they're not like, sometimes they're not even people. They're not real people. They're an imaginary construct of who we think they are. The, go Rifki, um, go. That's right. That's right. I'm going to say it. But I just wanted to say like, when we are kind of like, I'm just going to say lowering the bar and saying like taking the things that we take for granted, like you said, Alex, and then just appreciating that. How do we not feel like we're like duping ourselves? Like how do we get to the point where we are, I guess, you know, that we are genuine and we're not feeling like, well, I'm just going to take what I got <laughs> or, or, or whatever. And, and then to get to the point where like, no, I genuinely feel covered mm-hmm. so that we can have like what you said so that it, we can see the noticeable positive impact and the way that we are also showing up in the relationship, I guess. It's a lot of mind work. A yeah, lot of, felt, yeah, yeah, it sounds like I, a lot of work. I feel like I'm having a lot of resistance to this idea, like, I don't know, but it's good. I like it. I'm just like, how do you get there? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It has to be sincere where you truly, truly appreciate the small things or big things that your spouse is yeah. and does. And that's, I think to me, how I would answer you, Rifki, is just like, 
that's the only way is like must internalize and just focus on the good because there is so much good. Remember why you love your spouse. Remember the things that he does that makes you feel so grateful that you're so happy he's in your life. Yeah. It can't be mental. We talk about this with Hashem, right? Like I, I know, I know I personally, like if I don't really stop and intentionally think, Hashem gave me this and Hashem gave me this. Yeah. It's so easy for me to go a whole day and just be like, this is hard. People ask me, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, like, what? What are you talking about? My life is fine. Like, you know, it's just, it's, we, our brains, t- it's called negativity bias. Right. Our ten- brains yeah. tend to veer towards the negative. So leaving all of our thinking about our marriage on autopilot, just like any area of our life is not ideal. And I mean, even like the, the interview that you just did with um, Shady Plotzker, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was all about being happy, but at no point in the interview were you like, could you tell me all the factors of what does your husband do? Because clearly he has to be making minion, right. For you to be happy. And Mm. how much money do you make? Because I know there's a certain amount of money you have to make to be happy. No. Mm -hmm. Right. At no point were we looking for external factors. We were looking, you were looking for we, because in my mind, we're like, I'm like, we were all together. We were together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But like, you were asking about what, what is it about your mindset? What is it about mm. the way you see the world, right? Yeah, and, that makes she, you happy. Right. And she did say like, whatever situation you're in, you choose the frame. You choose the mm-hmm. frame that you put on the situation. And it doesn't mean yeah. like denying the feelings. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, you have to sit, you have to feel those feelings. You can't like just move into like coaching mode immediately. You got to like also acknowledge right. the feelings, but then, you know, whatever situation you're in, you can choose, you know, mm. Barring, barring, you know, chemical uh, interference, you know, for those, yes. right, which is well, also a, a thing, which is also a thing we have to say. We have to, I feel like every time we say yes. choose happiness, we have to say like, but sometimes you can't and there are ways, you know, get support for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so amazing. So I just wow. think that like noticing that, right? I think that for most people, we we do get that message that like, oh, right, I, I can I can frame my life. Maybe not this particular challenge, but I know mm-hmm. that in general, I can frame what's going on for me and 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 be happy. The way that I think about my life could make me happy. If I were to sit down, uh, uh, my Chinuch teacher, she says, she says, Moda'ani, and she says 10 things that she's grateful for before she moves on with her day. Wow. She said it's like life-changing this experience, mm. right? Of course, have I done it yet? No, but sounds good. <laughs> right? So real. <laughs> but, you know, this is the same idea. We, we sort of know that intellectually, and I think we maybe forget it when it comes to our marriages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But like, yeah wait, it's still the same case. It's, it's still the way that I'm thinking about it, the way that I'm framing it. It's not, you know, we get so stuck in like, but if you would just do this one thing, you know, if you would just change this one area, then I'd be happy. And why would it, why would it be here and nowhere else? Mm -hmm. Right. And yes, we all get stuck on things sometimes like outside of marriage as well. You know, Kayla, you started off saying you primarily work with women, so you're directing, you know, you're giving these these tips um, and traits of effective marriages and mindset shifts to us. I think it's important to acknowledge, and I'm sure you would agree, you know, uh, there's the joke, like the men go to Shirim and the women go to like marriage improvement classes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, are the men never going to marriage improvement classes? Like, what are they doing? It's always like, it's on the woman. It's like the thing in the community that this is what the from women do, but like, what about the men? But I'm sure you would agree that it takes two to tango and that these are also, if we have any men listeners, these are also, it's important that both parties are trying to do their part. If your husband is not in the mode of like how I can improve my, my marriage, just like we're all pumped to do it, but maybe they're not. I do. There's probably still value in us still making those efforts, even if our spouse isn't doing his part. 
What would you yeah, say about Yeah, I actually that? love that you use the phrase it takes two to tango, right? Yeah. Because think about it, if you have two people doing the tango, which is, let's say, their old marriage routine, and one person switches to swing dancing, <laughs> the other person has to change something about what uh-huh, they're doing. Uh-huh. That's great right? to hear. So in it, and sometimes it's there like for a while, stop, what? I'm going to go sit over here for a while and watch you. I have no idea what's going on. Like, I didn't sign up for that dance. Right, exactly. I have no training in this. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Like, I don't know what's happening. That that would be a normal reaction. Anytime you, you completely change the rules. Right, 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 right. right. Um, so, so, so yes to both points, meaning mm-hmm. is it very valuable for men to do this? If you're, if a, a man is listening and his wife is not interested and he's very interested and he wants to start working in these areas for sure. But uh, you know, and, and are there lots of couples who are going to marriage therapy together? Absolutely. So many, which is wonderful that that's become something that's more, you know, people are more open to that at the same time. No one should feel like if he's not on board, he won't listen to the class. He won't do the thing that I'm stuck. I always, mm-hmm. I kind of liken it to like the, <laughs> the 10 times I tried to declutter my house. <laughs> right. And I'm always like, the first thing I want to do is my husband's bedside table. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like he needs to do this so I can be, have a decluttered house. Like, well, stop. Uh, Let me just look at my desk first. That's great. Let me look at the places that are my areas first. If I get that all under control, things are going to shift. Mm-hmm. That's great. Very nice. So what, what number are we up to? Now? We're up to number four. Okay. Right. I don't yes. know. Kayla, check your notes. <laughs> that was number three, right? So okay. Number four. Yeah. Okay, so number four. Um, this one I would say is maybe when we talked about covode, that was a little bit geared towards women, as I as I I covered, right? Because men are more sensitive to covode and, and have a greater need for it. And by the way, that's like in Jewish text as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this one maybe also actually I think this could both go both ways. So one of my favorite phrases is make him your guru. Hmm. And what do I mean by that? Sometimes the very area that we're getting frustrated with our husbands. It's because it's a place that would be really helpful for us to grow. So I asked my husband if I could share this example. He's like, why in the world would I care? <laughs> this is totally fine. He has Great. no problem. I'm like, I don't know. I'd be embarrassed. <laughs> so what is the story? So when my husband, oh, so two nights a week, I work with my American clients. And so he takes over bedtime. And often by the time I come up after work, I see my kids sleeping in their clothes. Mm. Oh, does, I, I thought have, that just happens in my house, Kayla. <laughs> when your husband does bedtime. <laughs> I Oops, I didn't like, ask my husband if he was okay that I shared that. Okay. <laughs> I have like this visceral reaction to it. Yeah. Right. So like I was pushing on this for a long time. Like, you know they were in their clothes. Did you see that they were in their pajamas? Did you know that? <laughs> right? Like I just pushing and pushing, pushing. And then finally I was like, okay, well, maybe I should listen to myself. I have this idea, make him your guru. Like what what is happening that when he puts them to bed he's not choosing to make sure they get changed into pajamas Mm. and i thought of two things number one is there's a certain book he's reading with them and he's very good at saying like this is how much time i have if i try to do pajamas and the book i can't so Uh i have to pick Mm. right where i'm always like we're just going to get it all in. <laughs> it'll just happen, right? I'll right, just it'll work. work harder. <laughs> yeah. Yes, can, it'll work. I'll it. make it work, right? So in one way, he's my guru because, and what I mean by this is I'm learning from the, the very thing that I'm struggling with, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I step back and I look at this and I go, yeah, it's so wonderful to have someone in my life who is <laughs> modeling for me, looking at a set period of time and making a decision and standing by the decision. He says, this is more important. I'm going to do this. The other thing I thought, which I don't know if this is true, but I suspect, which is that he has a limited amount of time with them each day. This is a pretty big battle. 
Mm. And how much negativity is he interested in introducing into the relationship when this is his big time with them? I like that. I'm like, oh, so here I am with my thing of like pajamas are important. (laughs) They're like like the 11th commandment. Kids need to go to sleep in clean pajamas. Like, what is that? Right. Mm. So maybe it's helpful for me to step back and I can loosen that up a little bit specifically because I live with this person who's doing it differently. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's kind of going beyond like just accept him. It's sort of like looking for the wisdom in another way of doing things. Does that mean I have, my kids still wear pajamas when I put them to bed. (laughs) It doesn't mean that I've changed it, but it has really helped me to see, you know, like another example is a lot of times, you know, um, you know, that like, this is a very cliche thing of like a woman will say like, can you make sure that the soup goes on and then it gets turned off and before it boils and also change the baby's diaper and these three need to eat dinner and this doing homework. And the husband's like, which one do you want me to do? Right, right, right. Right? Like, give right. me one. And to me, like, there's a guru moment in that of we actually, like, if it's more than you can handle, you could just say, give me one. And sometimes we have to make decisions. Mm. If you're right. better at multitasking, then fine. You can do all of them and it's not a problem. Right. But so helpful to live with somebody who has, like, more of that boundary, more of that structure, whatever the thing is. I'm just in awe that, is this your idea? I'm in awe of this idea. This to me exemplifies such sensitivity and beautiful mitos to, this is, this to me is the essence of Don Lukowskis. It's really what mm-hmm. it is in action. So nice. Is this your, is this your idea? Did you learn this from somewhere? Or I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm, wow, I'm really impressed with maybe you. Maybe I learned it from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a, it, yeah, it is. It's, it's impressive. It, no, it yeah. really is a huge paradigm shift. Instead of like, oh, you're doing it wrong. Let me fix it. You're it, looking it, you at look the at, good and why. Yeah, and you're not even just saying like, oh, that's just the way they do it. You're saying, that's what right. can I learn from it? I, I think where it's easy for me to see it is because, you know, I have my hangups, but I'm hearing everyone else's hangups all day long. Right, right. right. That I, they're not my hangups. So it's easy for me to see like, wait a second, like you're telling me this, but I've been working with you for a year now. And I know that this is exactly what you need to be learning. Right. Right. Like right. this, this sounds like a perfect, you know, the one, the woman who's more rigid has the husband who's more relaxed. Mm. Maybe there's a reason for that. I feel very seen right now. Like the- <laughs> That's really, really interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we're winding down to your, your fifth Last one. Fifth one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is definitely true in all interpersonal relationships. I think if we could like put up a sign in our kitchens or wherever we spend the time, you know, bathroom mirror, uh, this would be the one that I would put up, which is positivity motivates and negativity deflates. Mm. And mm. I actually like the that's... word deflates because I feel like that's that's the feeling. That's kind of what right. you see. Right. Visually, yeah, that is. If, if I know when I'm stuck in a critical mindset, huh. it is. Very I, I see that deflation. Yeah. For sure. Can you and make like a PDF because... for that sign for our kitchens and we'll put Send it in the it show us. notes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. I want that sign. Say it one more time. Something on Canva. Yeah. Positivity motivates and negativity deflates. Hmm. Amazing. And, you know, it's interesting because, um, so we see this very clearly with our kids because our kids are better at hiding or not, they're, they're not as good at hiding what's going mm-hmm. on for them. Right. Yeah. So you see, like, if you're like in a bad mood and you come down hard on a kid, they just like, yeah. That's it, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, one of my, often people say to me, well, I don't want to think about my husband. Like I think about my kids. I shouldn't have to. They like get like very testy about that. And one of my clients shared with me, I, I don't know who it was, but she said that there's actually a parenting teacher who says the reason there's parallels between your husband and your children is because they're both human beings. 
Hmm. And I love interesting. that. I really that you love that. Lo- and that you love. These are two people that you love in your relationships with and live with you yeah. in your life too. Yeah. 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 And I yeah. just think that again, the, with our children, it's, it's, it's illustrated much more clearly because they're not quite as sophisticated. Although you will see it with your husband if you start looking for it. Um, the positivity, and again, this is kind of goes back to the cuddle thing a little bit, right? Where we can get stuck in this thing of like, well, why should I be positive? He hasn't earned it. Mm-hmm. Like when he does that, I'll be positive, mm-hmm. right? And another piece, which is that sometimes if we've been in a very, like, sort of, again, like a tit for tat type of relationship, right? then just giving positivity kind of feels like, well, is that going to get cashed in at some point? Like, what am I, if I'm like really excited that he did the dishes, is he going to come back and be like, well, now I need you to do carpool for the rest of the week or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. is that how this works? And it's not, it just isn't. That's just not how it works. The way that it works is that when we're positive, it just is gas in the tank, Mm -hmm. right? It's motivation. It's more, I want to do more of that. This really worked. This is exciting. I can make her happy. Uh It's just a classic thing. Like a husband wants his wife to be happy. And so he sees he can succeed at that. And it's a high, it's a thrill, right? And so the positivity motivates and the negativity, which often for women, the the way our brains are structured is very different when it comes to social interaction Mm -hmm. for girls and boys, right? Even like as infants, girls pay much more attention to facial expressions. They're much more attuned to nonverbal communication, way more neurons firing in the social interaction space. And it's a little bit more in the, um, the lower brain survival part of our brain. Fascinating. So being like socially expelled is very huh. scary for women. So I was once speaking to a group in Ramada school and I said, if I offered you anyone here, a hundred checkouts to put on a giraffe costume <laughs> with a skirt, totally tenua, and walk up and down the street over here where everyone can see you raise your hand if you would do it. And of course, not a single person raises their hand. And then I said, how many of your husbands would do it? And everyone cracked up and like everyone raised their hand, oh right? So and then two funny. women said my husband would do it for free, <laughs> right? Why? Because it's not that, um, that fear around social acceptance. Hmm. It's not hardwired. Of course, everyone's unique and individual, right? But when it comes to just generally, when we study the brain, this is one of the things that we see that we have that hardwired. Why am I saying that? Because- for women, negativity does sometimes motivate. Uh-huh. Interesting. Right? And so we get confused because if, you know, someone were to say to me, oh, Kayla, is, is that, that's what you're wearing? That shirt for the DMC interview? That's <laughs> really? I'd be like, no, no, of course not. I'm not wearing it. Right? Like, There's no chance I'd show up in that shirt. Right? Yeah. But our husbands would be like, yeah. so like we have more you know hardwired fear some of us have gotten past it some of us have worked on that you know and it's been able to to move past it but um so so because that's kind of very motivating for women sometimes we try and turn that to our husband like look Mm -hmm. how unhappy you're making me that you're not doing x y putting the kids in pajamas (sighs) right right but that's it's just it's not going to be successful it's Hmm. not it's not the way to go. And of course, it's creating more negativity in the relationship in general, which we don't want to do. Amazing. What happens if someone is feeling sad or down? What do you expect them? How, how would you guide them and advise them? Because you're saying those negative vibes, and even if they're not saying anything, but they look unhappy, right. the, house, the husband can they're sense that they're unhappy, it. they're exuding it. <laughs> how would you advise someone to try to avoid that? Because it's just defeating your husband and deflating him and not motivating him yeah. to improve. Right. And taking I the think whole it's important. Group. 
to like differentiate between like being down and being negative, like at someone. Right. So I think when I'm saying negativity deflates, what I really mean is like, when I'm giving my husband the message, you failed me, you're not measuring up, right. You're not making me happy. That kind of negativity. The truth is we can be really, really down and we could turn to our husband and be like, could you just sit with me for a minute? And that's actually positivity in that. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the way I know if it's positivity, I like to think is just, is there a win for him? Is he in a lose-lose situation or is there a clear win? You know, if you sit with me, I'm going to feel so supported. Like, could you, do you have five minutes? Is that possible? 10 minutes, whatever you need, <laughs> an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. Um, if, if it doesn't mean that now you're going to jump up and be so happy and put on your favorite dress and want to go on a date. Right. But he did something meaningful. He did, it, it helped. He did something real for you. Right. So that, even though you're not smiling in that moment, I would still put that in the positivity bucket. Okay. Very interesting. Very nice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. As opposed to being like actively. So there can be like passive negativity if we're down or low, but it's the active negativity that is really more problematic. Yeah. And we know the difference, right? Like there's moments when we're grieving something or we're disappointed and we're processing. And then there's just days when we're just stomping around the house. So I hate the world. So, you know, everything is aggravating. Everything is annoying. Everything is yeah. annoying. You're annoying. Yeah. Everything's annoying. Oh my gosh. I had a Shabbos meal where I literally spent like half the meal just in my head going over and over. Kayla, you like these people. Kayla, you like these people. Because <laughs> 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 I was just way too tired. Like, yeah, was, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just, I had to say like, just keep your mouth shut. Just don't say <laughs> yeah. anything because nothing just that comes out will be good. Right. Sit there and smile. Just sit there and smile. <laughs> yeah. Keep the thoughts inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And that exactly when you, when we are tired, when we are overwhelmed, when we are stressed out, which is, you know, it happens, not infrequently. I think it's so much easier to default to that negativity and to look at, like to looking for the negative and for not remembering the good mm-hmm. and to get stuck in that in that mindset. And I feel like all of the tools that you've given us through this wonderful DMC like can really, really help us like break out of that um, negativity pattern, that negativity habit, and give us some great tools to kind of like shift us out of there so we can get to the place that we, we all want to be. We all want to be in this place of connecting and we all want to be the person who is positive and is happy to be around and is making the home nice. And it's just so, it's so easy to default to something that we don't actually want. Mm-hmm. And I just love that you gave tools that we can just kind of like, okay, like reset, let's get back in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Kayla, for joining us for this DMC. We did interview Kayla back in season one and just an honor to have you now on Deep Meaningful Conversations. And Kayla, you are on the Meaningful Minute app too, so you're part of the family. Yes. Yes. yes definitely. Yes. I love your videos. I love there. it. Over there. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, yeah. I love that app. Well, thank you, Kayla, for your time. Well, thank you so much for having me back on. And here's this episode's takeaway. Marriage can be challenging. And if you feel that yours is, you're not alone. Take a moment to focus on the things that are going well, that are going right the good habits in your marriage and strengthen them and use your feelings of confidence to bolster the areas in which you'd like to improve. When you start looking at what's going right, everything is going to rise, like all ships rise with the tide, right? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Many thanks for all the wonderful reviews, PMs, DMs, text messages, and emails, plus words of support. Uh, We love those in-person words of support when we bump into people from our listeners. Rifki and I are really just so grateful to each of you for listening and watching and hopefully enjoying what we're putting out. We love to hear from our listeners, as Alex mentioned. Feel free to send us an email at dmc at meaningfulminute.org. You can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
you haven't liked and followed DMC on social media, give it a try and you'll see what we have some extra content in store for you. And don't forget to check out our show notes for relevant links and info about each episode. And if you're still listening, thanks. See you next episode.